our mind is continually being renewed. And so today's message is, is how we move forward from that place of renewal. And our passage today comes from Isaiah 43. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, um, turn to Isaiah 43. And it's verses 18 through 19. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. I'll read it to you guys. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Remember not the former things. Before we begin, I want to talk a little bit about context. I believe that when we read the Word of God, especially something from like the Old Testament, out of a book like Isaiah, it's important for us to have um, some context behind what we read. So in a nutshell, the book of Isaiah can be divided into two books, right? Chapters 1 through 39, um, it's about Israel's rebellion against God, God's judgment against them. You know, Isaiah warns Israel to turn back to God and stop following after other gods, and they don't. And Isaiah prophesies that they will be conquered by Assyria and Babylon and and taken into exile. And that's what really happens, right? If we read the history book, if we read the book of Ezra and and, and the the books that came before, um, we know that that's what happened in history, that they went into exile. And now chapters 40 to 66, to the end of the book, um, some scholars believe that it's actually not written by Isaiah, but was uh, when Isaiah finished his scrolls, he like sealed them and he passed them off to his, uh, his disciples. And 150 years after Isaiah's death, when the, the nation of Israel is in captivity in Babylon, um, his you know, disciples or the, the lineage of the people that were studying these scrolls um, added chapters 40 to 66. Now, that's one view, and, and, and you know, I'm, not a, I'm not, you know, like, I'm not a Bible history on, on, on all that, so I'm not positive if that's, like, like true or not. Um, and some believe that this is the difference in uh, chapters 1 through 39 and the rest of the book is that uh, Isaiah was being, like, extremely prophetic, right? He was being super prophetic because when you read chapters 40 to 66, it's, it's like, it's written from the perspective of somebody that's living through the exile, right? If you read it, if you read it carefully, it, it's it's the perspective of somebody that's writing this as they are experiencing the exile, right? And then and but Isaiah lived 150 years before the exile even happened, and so some people think that this is Isaiah being like super prophetic, right? Like just like uh, like like crossing the barrier of time and 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 being able to like write down the things that happened 150 years down. Um, however you look at it, you know, however you look at uh, whether it happened this way or that, it's, it's very clear that chapters 40 to 66, it deals with hope. He talks about hope for Israel, right? The whole book of Isaiah is about judgment and hope, right? If we read it, you're going to hear all of this judgment. And the first time I read Isaiah, I was really young, and I felt like condemned. <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, what's going on? Like, like when you're really young and you open the Bible and you're like, oh, God loves me. And then all of a sudden you open Isaiah and you're like, what is going on, right? It freaks you out. But the whole theme of Isaiah is God's judgment, right? And, and God's judgment upon the people for their sins and for their rebellion. But it always comes with hope. There's this judgment and then there's hope, right, that, that comes. And, um, and that's the context is that this chapter, chapter 43, is being written to a generation of people who's been conquered and living in exile in Babylon, right? They were in exile for 70 years. Jeremiah, like he prophesied that they're going to be in exile for 70 years. And there were some that, that read 
read this and experiences that experienced the fall of Jerusalem, right? They were really young when it happened, and they got put into Babylon, and then they lived, they lived through this, you know, 70 years of exile. And there were some that were, you know, the younger generations that were born in, during the exile, and all they really know is the exile. Um, but they all have known, and they all understand, and they all have learned about the history of God and, and his people, right? They all know about Abraham, right? Even when they're in exile, it's not like they didn't talk about their forefathers. They know about Abraham and what, and what he did and, and his son Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons and the 12 tribes, right? And they're, they're, they're 400 years in, in captivity and uh, in being slaves in Egypt and, and God liberating them through miracles and, and splitting the, the sea and and them entering into the promised land and the fall of Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. They all know this, right? They all know about the kings. They all know about, you know, Saul and David and Solomon. And they know about all of the, the bad kings that came afterwards. And they, they know about the fall of Jerusalem. They know about the fact that, you know, some years ago that you know, King Nebuchadnezzar came, conquered them, destroyed the city, and took them, you know, a big chunk of them into captivity in Babylon. So they know all this. And they're living in oppression. They're living in captivity. And God gives them this word. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make ways in the wilderness and rivers and deserts. God tell them, he's, not, he's telling them, forget about the past. Forget about what happened. And don't consider the things of old. Now we have to understand that this isn't God telling us to like, Literally forget the past. Because God's all about remembering the past. He says, remember my promises. Remember your covenant. Remember what I did in the, the wilderness. Remember what I did, you know, as, and, you know before Egypt and the, and the plague. Like, remember, remember, remember. So God's all about, you know, us remembering the amazing things that he's done in the past. So what was he saying? Well, he's, he's not telling us to all of a sudden have amnesia and just like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea, right? He's, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about to literally forget but he's telling us to not dwell on the past. He's saying don't dwell in the past. Because if your mind and your heart is, and your consciousness is stuck in the past, you will not be able to perceive what he's doing now. He's like, do you not perceive it? The new thing he is doing now, right, you're not going to be able to see it if, you're, if your mind is still dealing with and pondering upon and just kind of stuck in the things of the past. We're supposed to learn from our past. You know, the Israelites were supposed to learn from their past, but they weren't supposed to dwell there and allow their past to define them. And we do this sometimes. There's two ways that we dwell in the past. One, we can dwell on our past mistakes, our past sins, and our past failures. Whatever bad thing that happened or what bad ways that we were or the, or the, or the, the bad ways that we failed in the past, we start to define our future based on what's happened in the past. We limit ourselves based on our past sins and mistakes. Well, I can't be a leader at church. I'm such a sinner. No one would trust me if they knew that stuff that I used to do. They limit the things that they attempt. Well, I failed at that one time in the past. And so I shouldn't even try or make an effort towards whatever it is because I'll probably fail again. We get stuck in the past because, and we dwell on the, on, on the things and we give power to the mistakes and the errors and to the sins of our past. 
the errors and the failures start to define who we are. Now, I've known people that are backslidden and they can't even step feet into a church. They can't even enter a church because of the shame and the weight of the mistakes that they've made in the past. Now, I remember when I first came to Korea, when I started coming to church, I had this feeling that I didn't belong, that I was disqualified, and everybody was talking about me. That's what I felt like. I felt like when I walked in, I was just like, dude, everybody knows. Everybody's talking about me. And sometimes we think that God holds grudges. That, that, that what we did in the past, he's holding on to, to use against in the future. Like, we do that, right? Now, me and Mina, we do that to each other sometimes, right? But God's not like us, right? God doesn't hold grudges. Sometimes we live with a fear of failure. We've pursued something in the past, and we failed. We dropped the ball, we screwed up, and we get stuck, and we dwell on that from our past. And we, it keeps us from moving forward. And, and experiencing the goodness and the grace of what God has for us today. The new thing that he is doing today. If I don't try, I won't fail. It's that motto. If I don't attempt, I don't lose. Now, that becomes a motto of our life. And the past failures keep us stuck and stagnant in, the, in what we're doing in the present. This was... This is my issue pursuing schooling, right? I had a fear of failure because I failed in the past. I went off the rails. I went to prison. You know, I got deported. And when I think about it, there's still this level of anxiety that I experience when I think about, like, oh, like, you know, continuing education and all that. We get stuck in our past. We frame our present and we frame our future based on the bad of the past. But God tells us, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. So that's one way we get stuck in the past. We get stuck about all of the, the mess-ups, the screw-ups, the, the sins, the, 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 the bad things that we've done and the bad experiences that we've experienced in the past. We allow that to frame and we allow that to, 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 to like get us stuck in what God wants to do in the present. So that's one way that we get stuck. Another way that we get stuck from the past is we get stuck in past successes. We, we dwell on past blessings. And we're like, man, my 20s was the bomb. And some of you guys are in your 20s, and you guys are thinking, like, man, my 20s is the bomb, right? And, 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 and you think, like, when you're in your 30s and 40s, is was, like, my 20s was awesome. That's what I'm saying, you know. And you guys think, like, oh, my 20s was awesome. My, my 30s will never measure up. My 40s will never measure up. It's all downhill from here. You know, the way that our church was, it was the best. It will never be as good as it was back then. Now, sometimes our past was so good and filled with so many blessings that we settle for what we have in the present because we think, oh, it will never get be as good. Now, when I look back at our church, our church was pretty awesome back in the day. Now, our retreats were amazing. We had these like grand retreats with lights and you know, crazy like music, and you know, we, we just felt like a Hillsong concert, right? Our services would be amazing in the olden days. Not olden days, a long time ago. Holy Spirit power was like radical in our church. He would come and he would bless us. And, you know, there would be people just getting set free from all of these things in the middle of service. People, you know, being delivered from all kinds of junk. That's what it was back then. And we're tempted to think things will never be as good again. 
Or when we think about the good and the successes of our past, we hold on to it so tightly that it becomes a point of pride for us. Man, that was so good. That was so awesome. And we become like old men, reliving glory days. Like, wait, the way the thing, you know, like, you know, like it was the best back then, right? It's not like what it is now. You know, like quality was it was back then. Now it's all junk. You know how old people think? I start, I'm starting to think like that. You know, I'm getting old. It becomes a point of pride for us, and we get stuck in our present because we're holding on to our past, the goodness of our past, so much. And sometimes we get stuck on the good from the past, so we define good based on what we saw in the past. It can only be good if it looks like what we saw in the past. How many of you guys think that way sometimes? God will only bless us the way that he blessed us in the past. His blessings can only look like the blessings from the past. Our minds start to think this way, and we get stuck. Because we're starting to look for God to move a certain way. It's just not happening sometimes. Brothers and sisters, I have to confess that this has been my mindset about our church. And our church used to be, you know, all about bigger is better, right? More was better. And it was structured in a way where if a campus grew and more tithe and offering came in, there would be more security amongst us. And so membership back then required tithing. We would check attendance of members. And we had an almanac where weekly attendance and financial records were kept, and we would have to look at them every week and say, oh, this much came in and this much. I'm not saying that that's bad. A lot of churches actually operate that way, and they do very well. And when I first became a pastor in Busan in 2012, and I came out here, I was working at a bar and grill, Sharky's. They, They are no longer, by the way. They all closed. And then I became a kindergarten teacher, and I was teaching, you know, little runs for two years. And finally, when our church finances were at a certain threshold, and back then, you know, our lead pastor, he, he, he said it at $10 million a month, $10 million a month, right? So $10,000 a month, that we could hire a full-time pastor. And I came on staff in 2015. And so that's the mindset that I was in. That's the mind frame that I was in. And I was in mind frame of... of Reference to the way that our church is secure is I was saying like, oh, we need to grow. We need to get big again. We need to bring more people in. And we were encouraged to make sure people stayed. Don't leave Korea. God wants you here for 10 years. Because more meant security, more meant abundance. And for some of you guys who've been with us for a long time, and if you felt that pressure from us, I want to genuinely apologize. I genuinely want to apologize to you guys. But that's where my mindset was back then. Because all of a sudden, my security wasn't so much in the Lord. My security was in the the health of the church, how big the church was, how how, how many people were coming in, and and how many people were leaving. And if too many people were leaving, oh, no, what's going to happen? But our church changed drastically in the last couple of years. And a season came when a bunch of our beloved members were supposed to move on. And my mindset was still, God will bless us like God blessed us back then. More people, more members, more will bring security. The more I prayed for more, the smaller our church got. It was like almost like the more I prayed, like people would be like, oh, it's getting smaller, right? And it didn't hit me in the head. I was just like in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, God. And then I would get all insecure. I was like, God, am I doing something wrong? 
Is there sin in my life? God, is like, are you judging me, right? Like, well, what am I doing wrong? And I would, start, I would get all insecure in my calling, and I would start, get insecure in my, my calling for ministry. And it's like, am I supposed to not do this? But, and all of these things would come into my mind. I was looking to the past, the way that God moved in the past, as my blueprint for what God was supposed to do next. I was stuck. I was, I was dwelling in the former things. It's not that God wants us to literally forget what happened, but he wants us to learn and honor our past, his faithfulness, his goodness, his blessings with thanksgiving. But he doesn't want us to get stuck there. He doesn't want us to be imprisoned by our past. He doesn't want us to be defined by our past and define our future and our present by what happened then. Because you know why God doesn't want us to have it? Because Satan knows your past. You know that? Satan knows your past. Satan loves to use your past against you. And when we get stuck in the past, dwelling in the past, we're usually listening to the lies of the enemy. We listen to the lies of Satan. Because the devil knows your past, he does not know your future. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Only God is omniscient. Only he knows everything. Right? The devil only knows your past. And if the devil tells you that he knows your future, he's lying to you. So he's going to try to use your past, your story, the best he can to get you stuck where you are at. He's going to manipulate your past with lies and deceptions. And he will take your memories and your emotions and your feelings that you have about your past. And, and, and you know, and he will, he's, going to, he's going to screw with you. And he's going to tell you, like, if your past was good, oh, it was so good. Now, those are the days. And he'll lie to you. as they will never be as good again. Your, your, your future will never be as good as it was back then. This is as good as it gets. And if your past was bad, he'll come and try to rub your nose in it. Right? Like the way that we rub, you know, when our, my, we have a dog. And when our dog poos where he's not supposed to, we like take his nose and put it near his poo-poo. And it's like, hey, bad, bad. Well, that's what Satan tries to do, right? If our, if, if our past was bad, he'll rub our nose in it and say, hey, look. Like, look, how, look how horrible you were. Look how bad you were, right? Hey, this is that's the that's as best as you're gonna be. Right? You're not gonna you're not gonna get better. You're not gonna get past that thing. You're not gonna be able to overcome that thing. And he's gonna lie to you about your past and to try to define us by our sins and define us by our failures and defi- define us by what, the bad things that happened in the past. But the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And the truth is, God tells us. His truth is that he is doing a new thing. He tells us, forget the past. Don't dwell in the past. He's doing a new thing. And God is doing a new thing. And he's always doing a new thing. He's a creator of time. Every moment of time. Right now. And right now. And right now. And right now, right? That's all because of God made it happen, right? Time moves forward because of God. He's a creative time. And so everything that happens in this world that's new comes from him. God is all about the new. He's all about us being a new creation. And as his new creation, he wants us to live in new heavens and new earth. He he wants to experience us to experience new Jerusalem, right? The end goal of God, right, his end is new. 
when we, when we are beginning, we're new, but by our end, we're old, right? But for God, His end, the end that He has is a new beginning. It's new. Everything that He does. And He tells the people of Israel, don't, don't dwell on the past. Don't get stuck in your past. Your past sins, the past, your past failures. You know, the fact that you're, you've, been, you've been, you know, ransacked by Nebuchadnezzar and that, you know, you guys are living in exile. Don't dwell on this, right? Don't even dwell on the way I delivered you in the past because I'm going to do a new thing. And it's not going to look the same as it did before. And then when God freed the Israelites from Egypt, their obstacle was what? Was, was the sea. The obstacle was water. And he parted the water and they walked on dry land across and they were saved. But now God says that he's making a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. But what was the barrier and the obstacle that they faced in the past is now the blessing. Now water is the blessing. And he's going to do a new thing where the thing that was your struggle, the thing that was your barrier, the thing that was your your difficulty, the thing that you've tried and, and almost destroyed you, he's going to take it. He's going to do a new thing. He's going to turn it into a blessing. And this is what we see in Scripture and in history. Right? Their oppressor back in Egypt was the king. Right? was Pharaoh. Let my people go. No, right? The king was their opposition. The king and his army was their great oppressor. The king was what was keeping them from their liberation. But God, now he's doing a new thing where now the king is their liberator. The king that's actually over him, Isaiah 45, it says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of the king, to open the doors before him and that gates may not be closed. Right? And we know that this is a prophetic word about Ezra 1. What happened in Ezra 1 where King Cyrus, he, he's like, you know what? God gave me all of this. God made me king over all of this. And he looks at the Jewish people and he's like, hey, I want you guys to go and rebuild the temple that you used to worship in. And Cyrus literally becomes a liberator. Right? Back then, the king was their oppressor, but God's doing a new thing. God's telling me he the, the the one that tried to take out the Israelites in the past now is the one that's bringing them liberation, their freedom, and their blessing. He says, "Look, don't look at the past. Look to now and look to the new thing that I'm doing." And brothers and sisters, God is telling us today to stop dwelling on our past, on our past mistakes. And even our past blessings and our past successes. Because when we have our eyes focused on the past, we will not perceive the new thing that God is doing. The new thing that God wants for our life. And this brought me so much freedom and joy. Because if God has called me, right? If God has called me, and, and, and if he has called me that he's going to be with me, I don't have to look at my past and all of the things that happened in the past that defined who I am, I just have to look to God. Because as I look to God, he points to the new thing that he is doing. As I keep my eyes on him, he's going to start to point. He's like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. This is the new thing that I'm doing now. 
my security doesn't come for I, what, I, what it was like back then, but my security comes from what he will do, what he's going to do. He's making a way in the wilderness. He's making rivers in the desert. And, and, and for many of us, we've had seasons of our lives where our relationship with God was, was good, right? And when we first come to God and we're just like, oh, you know, Jesus is Lord. And, you know, everything is, it comes easy. There's a supernatural grace over you where you talk to somebody, you know, you're like, and then they're like, oh. And then you, they get set free and you feel so encouraged. And, you, you know, like when you read the word of God, it feels like God is like speaking to you, like, you know. Like directly, like you, you know, you feel like a prophet. You're like, oh, you know. We we've had seasons like that, right, in our life, and then we have wilderness seasons. And I feel like for many of us, we've been we've been walking in this season of wilderness, in this season where it's just like every step that we take, it feels like there's like glue stuck on the bottom of our feet, right? That's what it feels like sometimes. It feels like we're walking through muck. We're we're, we're in this place where. Where, you know, like even the t- tiniest bit of, of water is, is just seems so difficult to find. The tiniest bit of refreshment just seems so difficult. And God's saying, hey, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. If you want to look at what I'm doing, right, I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm putting a river in the desert. And what you thought was your struggle and what you thought was your fear and what you thought was your obstacle, God's going to turn it around and he's going to do a new thing. He's going to turn it into blessing. Now, I, I'm, I'm planning on starting school again in May. I have some anxiety. I have a little bit of anxiety. because I haven't you know, really studied in a very long time. I'm very old. And he's been talking to me. Don't dwell on the past. Look at what I'm doing in your midst. I'm doing a new thing. Some of you, it's your season to transition, to move on. I thank you truly from the bottom of my heart for running with us all these. Oh, I'm gonna cry. I like I, when I was writing this, I like cried a little bit. I was like, I oh, get it out now, right? <laughs> so I want to sincerely thank you guys for running with us all these years and building this church with us. Truly have no words. As you go, I want you to go knowing that God is doing a new thing. Don't get stuck in the past. Remember your past. But don't dwell. If your past was good, if your past was bad, or a mixture of both, go knowing that God is doing a new thing. Thanks, homie. Thanks, homie. Some of you are fairly new. Some of you feel called to Korea to stay. Don't dwell on the old, but look to the new that is doing in your midst. Even while you are in the old, you can still look for the new. You know, so many times we have this expectation that things are supposed to be the way they, they always were. I get stuck like that. I feel like, hey, church is supposed to just look like this, right? But we fail to see the new thing that God is doing around us. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it?
But the, the thing is, this isn't easy, right? To see the new, it's a bit scary. Some of us are like, you know, we're, we're like, we look at the unknown with trepidation. Who's like that? That's like me, right? When I look at the unknown, I feel like, oh. Some of you guys are like the frozen cast and, you know, into the unknown. And you guys are singing that song and you guys really mean it, right? Like, into the unknown, right? But for me, the, the unknown is a little bit, I'm the type that looks at it with a little bit of trepidation. Sometimes it's scary to look at the new thing that God is doing, to think that this, sometimes you're tempted to think, oh, maybe this isn't God, right? Or this isn't for me. I like the comfort of the familiar, right? And this is where love comes in. This is where we look back on the sermons I preached about 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where it says, you know, hope, faith, and love. Greatest of these is love. Because if you're fostering a true relationship with God where you experience his love the way that he loves you, that he loves you unconditionally, he loves you furiously, like the, 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 nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not life, nor death, nor angels, or, or principalities, or you know, the past, the present, or the future. You know? No height, nor death, nor any other created thing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you truly believe that, if that is at the center of you, who you are, you're going to understand that that perfect love casts out fear. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And we take our eyes off of our past, we have to focus it on something, right? When we start dwelling on the, th- when we stop dwelling on the things of the past, we have to start to dwell on something, right? Now I make this mistake, I stop dwelling on the past and I start dwelling on like Netflix, right? <laughs> or Instagram, right? Or like, what can I buy, right? But what God wants is as we take our eyes, as we take off, off our focus off and dwelling on the things of the past, we're supposed to now dwell upon God. Look to God. Look to him. Focus on him. So many times we take our eyes off of, you know, what we, we do the right thing. We take our eyes off of, of our past, but then we focus it on, like, ourselves. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Right? We do that so many times. We get freaked out. We're like, okay, our past, I'm going to get over my past. But then we go, oh, oh what am I going to do, right? Or we, we take our, our focus off our past, and then we, look, we put it on other people. And we're like, oh, man, look at, look at where they are at in life, right? You know, the, you know, they have this going for them, and they have gone. What do I have? And all of a sudden, we start doing the comparison game, and we fall into fear and anxiety. And whatever season you are in, take your eyes off of the past. And don't look to the future of what you, what's happening now, but you look to God. You keep your eyes on God. Focus your heart and your mind on him. Dwell on him. Abide in him. And he in you. He is the true vine. You are the branches. And as we dwell in him, he will show us what he is doing right here. The new thing that he is doing. And when we see the new thing that he, God is doing... The only way we're going to be able to step out in faith and step out in obedience is if we're abiding in him, if we're remaining in him, if we're looking to him, right? Because new requires faith. Let me tell you, if you want new, if you want God's new in your life, it requires faith and obedience. It's not easy. 
But you know that it's the perfect will of God, and it's the best place that we can be. Now, God's not a fortune cookie where you can crack and open, and you get a piece of paper telling you what you're supposed to be doing in life. But he's a person, and he requires relationship for us to not just hear and understand his plans for us, not just know his plans, but for us to have the character, the faith, and the power to accomplish his plans for our life. You guys know that? It's easy to know what God wants us to do, right? Like you, you get a prophetic word, oh, God wants me to be a missionary, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you take off and try to be a missionary. But it's a whole other thing for, for you to know what, may, you may know what God wants you to do, but it's a whole other thing for you to be with God, remain in Him so that you become the person that God wants you to be. Some of us fail because we think we know what God has for us, and we take off too soon. Before you know, taking the things that we need to accomplish it. And God wants you to knock down this tree. And you're like, all right, I'll do it. You go and you're pushing that tree. You're trying to kick that tree. Trying to use your butt to like, you know. You fail to realize that God's sitting there with an axe. And you forgot to realize he has an axe for you. He has weapons for you. He has tools for you. For you to do and accomplish his will. But it requires you to remain in him. And so many, so a lot of us, we just want to know what God wants. I just want to know. I just have to know, God. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. And the moment we find out, a lot of times we disconnect. We're like, oh, God wants me to do this. I'm just going to do it. Right? And, and God might be like, hey, but wait a little bit, right? I want you to, like, I want, there's certain lessons that I want you to learn. It's not, God, I don't have time for those lessons. Right? I, I got to do what you were telling me to do. And all they, they jump into things. And they get dis- discouraged when it doesn't work out. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, God hates me. And you have that petty part of it. It's like, God's not for me. But it requires us to remain in him. God wants us to know what he is doing now. And he is doing a new thing right now in each and every one of you. You guys think like, oh, God's not doing a new thing in me. Let me tell you, God is doing a new thing in you. You may not be able to perceive it because he's saying, hey, do you not perceive it? And you're like, no, God, I don't perceive it. That's all good. Right? That's all good. You may you may be like in a place where you're like, everything is, everything feels good, right? You're like, oh, I love it. God's like doing a new thing. You're like, God, I don't need a new thing. I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. And that's good. It's okay. But you have to understand that in every single one of you, God is doing a new thing. And in order for us to really perceive it, in order for us to really understand it, is for us to remain in Him. Focus on Him. Don't look to your past. Don't look to your future. Don't look to all of it. You look to God and say, God, you're with me. No matter what I do, you're with me. No matter where I go, you're with me. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. Right? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. For every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I must remain in, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you, you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A lot of times, that's what we, we do. We have all these lofty things that we want to do for God, and we have all these things like, you know, but we, we fail to remain in God. We fail to remain in his presence. And all of a sudden, it doesn't bear fruit. Brothers and sisters, let's not dwell on the past, the bad, even the good, all of the junk that may have been in the past or all of the blessings that may have been in the past. The way that things used to be, let's focus our hearts and minds on him. Abide in him. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's doing a new thing right now in our midst. He's asking us, do you not perceive it? He's asking us, do you see what I'm doing now? Can you see what I am doing now? Let's all stand up and let's pray.